that's interesting. All right, I am actually starting rolling uh, right now. If that's good with you. I am rolling as well. Pleasantville, New York, New Jersey? Wait, I can go to Pleasantville? No. Uh, Pleasantville Criterion? Hmm. Not seeing it. I must have got it confused with another thing. The, well, uh, the Jacob Burns Film Center is located in Pleasantville, New York. That's, <laughs> so, what, it, that's what it was. Um, and that is on the Criterion Channel website. Oh, um, oh I can watch The Gr Great Dictator? Hmm. Hmm. There you go. Well, there you go. Uh, sorry. It's all good. <laughs> start the I also get excited about Criterion. For? 24, Kevin. Um, yeah, I also, <laughs> I also, I just, I saw a fucking video essay the other day, like, the cult of the Criterion collection, and I was like, guilty, you got me. That's <laughs> you a, got me. That's a great video. Uh, I. Is I, it really? I've okay. been following that guy for, his name's Royal Ocean Film Society. Uh, I believe, well, his, that's. That's his, his given Christian name. Yes. Uh, first name is Royal. Uh, I believe, uh, his real name is Andrew Saladino. Like a Tannenbaum. Uh, <laughs> it's. Uh, yes, it's. Uh, but uh, he uh, he's great. He makes uh, he makes wonderful uh, uh, video essays. Uh, he's got a great one on um, the social network and how it holds up. Ten he does a series called Ten Years Later, um, and it's just taking films and seeing how they uh, how they hold up ten years later. And he's got a very love that. Love, love that process. He's got a great one on the social network that you absolutely positively have to watch on your phone and not watch on like a TV or on a computer monitor. Um, he, because? uh, uh he, he does a gimmick in it and it's great. Um, oh, okay. he's got a, he's got an incredible, uh, film essay, a video essay on, um, on Terry Gilliam, uh, and the numerous setbacks he's had, uh, when it comes to making things. He did something on, uh, uh, Christopher Nolan, um, recently, right before Tenet came out that I really enjoyed. But uh, yeah, that guy is great. He makes great videos. Uh, he has, in that Cult of Criterion thing, he says something, and I was like, oh my god, this guy is so right. In that, he said a movie becoming a part of the Criterion Collection is, and I'm butchering the quote, a movie becoming part of the Criterion Collection is a bigger uh, accolade than receiving an Academy Award. And I'm like, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I I do think that I mean obviously it is with like a particular strata of person but the to their credit the fucking Criterion Collection have done so much work to make you go like oh the Criterion oh this is in the Criterion Collection mm -hmm. well it's got to be good and if I don't like it I'm wrong I was incorrect <laughs> yes yes for not like it must be too smart for me yes uh <laughs> No, I uh, whole wholeheartedly I to... sign off and recommend uh, Royal Ocean Film Society on YouTube. Absolutely, positively. okay, cool, yeah, because I they got me. I like we, <laughs> I two seconds ago when I clicked onto the Criterion channel and I've just been stuck like cruising through its many fine offerings and I'm like I gotta I gotta click out of here. <laughs> I, gotta, <laughs> I gotta bail or I'll never fucking pay attention to whatever the hell Vern's talking about. <laughs> uh, they got. I gotta watch Yentl sometime in the next twenty nine days because it's leaving the Criterion. Oh, collection. gotcha. And the Prince of Tides, a Barbara double feature. Oh my goodness, you gotta get on that, man. <laughs> they have the Afrofuturism collection now. Anyway, that's been an ad for the Criterion Channel, um, <laughs> a great streaming service. I proudly paid a hundred dollars for a year of service, and I regret nothing. There you go. Uh, they have a great Korean cinema collection. 
Anyway, they're releasing that. They're releasing that box in March. They're releasing that box art of Wong Kar Wai films, and I'm just like, uh, I'm just looking at my bank account, <laughs> just like it's happening in March, and it's just, come on, Stimmy. Yeah, come on, Stimmy, check. Come on, government, give me that Stimmy. Y'all, Wong Kar. I mean, Wong Kar Wai is an incredible filmmaker, obviously, but uh, Chungking oh, Express. I love that movie. And I haven't, uh, I'll be honest, that's a huge blind spot for me. And sometimes the best way to fill in that blind spot is to monetarily commit to yes. owning, like, to buying eight of their movies at the same time. And yes. it's like, well, time to work. <laughs> time <laughs> it to, becomes a job. Uh, it becomes a job, and sometimes it's a job you really enjoy. But yes. there's something about... Um, and you and I are one of the two lunatics that still buy physical media, right? Yes. And I think the... Um, I think the future of physical media is collector's editions and things like the Criterion Collection. Yes. That still make it worth it to buy a physical copy, right? Like, the people that will... People like you or me. Lunatics. Yes. Um, who both like... I like the collecting aspect of it, and I also like um, having my favorite films on retainer. So, like, uh, I, I have almost never seen... Most of the Edgar Wright collection streaming, mm -hmm. I've never seen Raising Arizona on Netflix, I've never fucking seen Broadcast News on Netflix, and that is fine because I just have the Blu-ray sitting on my yes. shelf. I can pop open the nice criterion of Broadcast News, pop that in, and I'll have a gay old time. Um, I gotta, like... The, the the thing about having a criterion or having just like a nice edition of you know whatever movie or whatever album or whatever is like it makes your experience more than just an emotional one it becomes a physical one uh, and I'm a I'm a maniac and I purchased the Marriage Story Criterion uh, whenever it was released and you know like we have Netflix I can watch Marriage Story anytime I want but I bought the Criterion of it and this is the only time in my life that this has ever happened. I, like, literally was brought to tears. My eyes welled up opening that Criterion for the first time because I open it up and it opens like a trifold wallet. So, like, the left opens up, the right opens up, and the disc is in the middle. And I'm looking at this on the right and the left. I'm like, what is this that I'm looking at? Uh, and, there, you know, and of course, there's the book, the, uh, the little pamphlet that each Criterion has uh, with the disc. But on the left and the right, I'm like, what is this that I'm looking at? And I take both their like little pockets and there's a piece of paper in both pocket on the left and the right. I take the thing out and I open it and it's copies of the letters that Adam driver and Scarlett Johansson's characters wrote to each other that bookend the film. And so <laughs> like immediately I am part of the movie marriage story before even putting the disc in, you know what I mean? And like, yeah. Oh, cool. Here's the letters they both wrote each other in, like, couples counseling. And I'm just welling up right there, just holding those in my hand. And that's, like, that's an, a, that's a, that was a very special experience that I had. And not one that I could have gotten from clicking play. <laughs> and uh, that kind of stuff was, like, Marriage Story is, is, a, is a great movie. It's a movie that's stuck with me for a long time. It's a movie that I think about a lot. But, like, it that like little touch that the criterion collection you know put into their to the release like made that movie something more uh for me and you know it's something right. that registered and that's and that's a special thing and if uh if yeah. you enjoy art and if you love art the way that 
uh, Kevin and I love our movies, like that's it's worth. I love though. my movies. I'm a <laughs> Loves movies. Put a little 3D glasses on me because I love the movies. Give me that popcorn. I love the Yeah, movies. I'm always carrying a little thing of popcorn because I love the movies. But because uh, human beings, we are dumb animals. Yes. And we still respond more to something physical than we do to something digital. Yes. Um, it's just it's just fucking wired into us, right? Uh, that we we uh, I will always enjoy reading a physical book more than a digital book. And I have nothing against online retailers like uh, Apple Books and Kindle and what have you, uh, besides the giant companies that they're tied to. But um, there's just something about flipping physical pages, closing a physical book, yes. that will, and then having that book like up on your shelf. Or that's something that you can carry around that makes it feel real and indisposable mm -hmm. right in a way that digital media can never replicate and don't remember there are advantages to uh all these things going digital right is that like netflix for much much less than it would cost to buy all of the movies and tv shows on netflix you can watch everything that's publicly available on netflix and that means that it, it's 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 economic it's for the people you know so so people can have access to all of these things for a low low monthly subscription fee or borrowing someone yes. else who's paying a low low monthly subscription fee and that is good but the disposable nature of yes netflix releases and the things on netflix is that like i if i buy a physical dvd Right. If I buy something that is there and tangible, I am much more likely to prioritize it or feel like it's something that actually exists that I need to engage with. Mm -hmm. Is that like, OK, just the mere act of like I need to get up, I need to open it, I need to put it in. I am now that much more emotionally invested in what is about to happen. Yes. Than um, if I just like click on something on Netflix randomly. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, the same is true with games, you know, I still buy physical PS4 and Switch games whenever they are available. Mm -hmm. Um, and that makes me prioritize them and want to engage with them. Cause I always see like, ah, yes, there's Red Dead Redemption 2. Like I need to finally play Red Dead Redemption 2. Whereas like my Steam library of computer games is ungodly because mm -hmm. it's all digital and yes. I just forget that it's there. You know what I mean? Sorry, I've been talking for a long time. No, no, absolutely. Uh, I, I sign off, uh, I co-sign on everything that you're saying. Um, and I don't know, like, my, you know, not that I'm an elderly man, um, but I am old enough to find that memories are slipping through the cracks. And I'm old enough to, uh, to recognize that my recall is not what it used to be. And... I really like, you know, so many of these movies are uh, things that I saw in a theater with a friend or watched on a first date or uh, watched, you know, or, or something that like uplifted me during a time, you know, uh, during a rough time in my life or whatever it might be. And what I really enjoy about having like, and if, you know, anyone's, anyone who's, you know, been over to my house or seen like some of my like things I put online. Like I've got a 
just you know essentially a wall of uh, of movies uh and i like having those like physical like remnants and those physical symbols of memories for me and it the the movies that i have in most cases they're more than just the movie you know what i mean like yeah uh it's 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 you know it, there's there's so many things that I have like this yeah it's it's a copy of the Simpsons movie, but uh, I had a such an incredible time whenever like me and almost everyone I freaking knew uh, drove to Paducah Kentucky <laughs> the an hour away and all watched the Simpsons uh, movie on opening night you know and so like I have a copy of that silly dumb movie but. That movie, whenever I touch it, whenever I watch it, whenever I'm just moving it, because I got another movie that begins with the letter S, and I have to change up the uh, yeah. the uh, ah. appetizing or whatever. Like, uh, I'm reminded of that, and that's a memory that like it's a wonderful memory. It's a memory that I'm happy to have. It's a memory that I look uh, look upon fondly. But like, as time goes on, like I don't. I'm getting farther and farther away from Paducah, Kentucky. I'm getting farther and farther away from those people who I experienced it with. Some of the people that I experienced that movie with are no longer here on this plane of existence. And I'm getting farther and farther away from, like, things that can remind me of that memory uh, and, uh, and, uh, and of that joy that I felt. And so, like, the Simpsons movie on DVD gets watched once every seven years maybe sure but like i'm so happy that i have it and it's so special to me that i have that copy that i do because it means more than just like it's an hour and 30 minutes and uh i i think you 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 really hit the nail on the head with like that netflix and hulu and amazon prime and all these services like kind of condition uh disposability <laughs> If that's a word yeah, it's, in our it's, brains. It's, um, and, and one of the reasons that things like Game of Thrones or The Mandalorian or Lost in its Day became cultural juggernauts mm -hmm. was the process of watching them became ritualistic. Yes. In the same way that the worst Christmas movies are fucking elevated to a higher plane because watching them becomes a ritual. Yes. Right? Is that, like, The Santa Claus with Tim Allen is not a great movie. But for the process, the feelings it evokes in you and the process of watching it every year elevates it to a higher plane of existence. Ted yes. Turner has been trying to convince me for 30 years that A Christmas Story is a movie I like. And I don't. But <laughs> but that that process is so fucking ingrained in us now. And, um, and that is... That's not me saying, like, anything is manipulative or that's wrong. That's just literally how we as humans engage with things around us yes. and these sense of memories is that like when lost was appointment viewing every Wednesday, that is part of what made you like lost so much was that like every Wednesday I'm going to show up and I'm going to watch my lost. And then the next day I'm going to go to school and I'm going to talk to my fucking classmates about it. Absolutely. And, and that engendered like the midnight releases of Harry Potter books are part of why they mean so much to us. Is that mm -hmm. like that was it was a process, it was a memory. It was an event. It was, a, it was an event, right? And, you know, I loved 
Spike Lee's *De Five Bloods*, for instance, great mm. movie, um, and I ate it up on Netflix the like the day or the second day it came out. Mm-hmm. But there's an inherent disposability to it just dropping on Netflix one day and then you move on with your life, as opposed to the process of scheduling your night, buying a ticket, going to the concession stand, and then like I uh, uh, before. Uh, coronavirus hit and this is like the least bad thing that happened because of coronavirus but like (laughs) my my new york buddy kevin and i were going to movies basically every week we had amc movie pass and we were going to see a movie basically every week and then we'd take the subway home and talk about it Mm -hmm. and i enjoy watching a not particularly good movie and talking about it on the subway home way more than i like watching a great movie on my television at home and then moving on with my life. I, uh, if anyone at home, uh, wants to, uh, scream at me on the internet, please do. Um, but recently, uh, the Godfather three got re-edited and, uh, released and the Godfather three is the weakest of the trilogy. I've but I've still seen it more than I've seen, most good movies. Um, not saying that it's a bad movie, but I've, I've, I've just seen it a lot. And uh, it did have a small uh, release in theaters. Uh, but of course this happened, you know, in December, uh, in the in the thick of this, in this pandemic. And uh, I, I, I decided like, you know, like, I'm going to, I don't want to die with Sonic the Hedgehog being the last movie I saw in theaters. And this is the only Godfather movie I've not seen in theaters. I'm going to do it. Plus, I'm like, I know I will be the only person in the theater watching Godfather 3. No one else cares but me. And, uh, and I was right. Like, and I, you know, I kept my mask on the entire time. I was the only person in theater for, in the, in the theater by a country mile. But like walking in in the theater you know it was you know 10 minute walk 20 minute walk from here and like just that 10 minutes 20 minutes of whatever of walking to the theater wondering what's going to be different and that 10 20 minutes coming back like talking about it like thinking about it in my head like made it an event and made it special for me so like even if I was disappointed in the re-edit, like, I was not disappointed in the experience. Whereas, if, you know, whenever the DVD came in uh, that I pre-ordered, and they sent it to me, like, two weeks earlier than it was supposed to. I don't know what happened there. Uh, Francis Ford Coppola got my letter that I mailed him three years ago, and he sent me a copy early. I don't know. Um, but, like, uh, if I had just put it on and watched it, it would have cheapened the experience so much that it wouldn't have been an experience if that makes any sense at all and so yeah yeah, i'm sorry that i went and saw a movie during uh, the pandemic it's the only time i've really ventured out and done something stupid during this but also uh my 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 thinking was like a theater showing godfather part three might be the safest place in the universe during a pandemic It's, uh, no one's going to be there. You can hide in, in secrecy and privacy. Exactly. <laughs> with, with my shame. That I wanted. 100%. But yeah, it's, I don't know, the, and maybe just like Kevin and I are too, too, too emotional, uh, whiny little babies. But like, uh, 
Oh, that's undoubtedly true. But, like, I don't... A incredible experience or a credible memory will elevate just like a mediocre movie. 100%. It's, it's, it's undeniable. That's what, like... I... <sighs> Uh, I have a well-documented uh, uh, era of publicly talking about the 2002 Scooby-Doo movie with Matthew Lillard at all. Of course. Um, and, and just, like, the sense memories of watching that movie when I was a kid mean so much more than the movie itself. Yes. Like, people, like, Hocus Pocus is not a great movie, but Hocus Pocus means a lot to you personally because you watched it a hundred times and you shared it with other people, and, and that is how something becomes not the best movie, but becomes one of your favorite movies, is the processes of watching it and the memories you have associated with it. You were talking about Lost earlier, and it's it, it makes me smile every single time, where every time Lost just came up, um, whether someone talking about it, whether it just comes up as a reference to something, uh, whenever uh, she heard the, the sketch of you as Charles Dickens complaining about people's opinions of lost like the the number one thing that my wife brings up when lost comes up is like i would watch that every wednesday with my dad and we would always watch last week's episode leading into the new episode and that was like the ritual as you said and that's the first thing she brings up when talking about lost and then after that memory then she's like oh and here's the show and like yeah you know what i mean and like i don't that that stuff like you know maybe i'm just like soft in my old age or whatever but like the stuff like warms my heart and it makes me happy like <laughs> just hearing about that stuff. even if it is like a christmas story or whatever a not good movie it's the second best christmas movie by uh uh bob clark uh first being black christmas uh, <laughs> wait that's the same guy the same guy yeah what the fuck <laughs> Well, they are both horror movies. This that is true. Christmas Story, I find very distressing. <laughs> but like, Nobody, like, calls Margot Kidder on the phone and, <laughs> and says horrible things to her, but I still find Christmas Story very distressing. No, at one point, the breather calls Margot Kidder and he goes, I'm gonna fudge you. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! That's, uh... That's a good bit. <laughs> I enjoyed that bit very much. But, uh, you know, it's, uh, I don't know, this, like, the memories attached to a thing are, 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 are very special and very nice. And, like, there's just not enough surface area on a, on a Netflix or a Hulu stream or whatever for memories to attach, I don't think. Right, uh, and, like, watching it all, like, um, you know, and I, I, I don't think I'm superior to anyone in this regard like obviously but when, when i describe what i'm about to say but like i am obviously deep in the community well right mm -hmm. now you know like i'm i'm doing a full series rewatch for the podcast for the first time uh in many many years mm -hmm. um and i'm also like deep on community twitter um i'm a popular figure on community twitter um the lowest stakes possible the least um <laughs> uh, but um but, uh, the, you know, there are tons of people, especially young people who just, like, weren't old enough when the show was on, who are, like, watching it all for the first time all in a row here in quarantine. And I'm like, I, and they are, they do seem to enjoy it, um, and are getting a lot out of it, and they have their favorite characters, and they want them all to be gay, and I'm very happy for them. <laughs> uh, but, 
like what I what I wish they had was like the memories that I have associated with like individual moments and individual episodes. Yeah. Watching them live in Webster University's Maria Hall dorm (laughs) (laughs) with my friends on Thursday night. Like that is what I wish they had. Mm -hmm. And, and that is, you know, as much as I think community is a good show, like the process of, sharing it with everyone at Webster University and then uh, watching it live for all of my time there, all four years. And then like, you know, when the final season was airing and, and an episode would come out on Tuesday nights and then Dan Fenton and I would <laughs> see each other the next day and be like, did you watch the new episode of community? And we talk about it. Um, and that's, that, that's as important as the show itself. And um, I don't know. No, it's uh, absolutely like, uh, they 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 talk about this. Um, our friends at Red Letter Media, our friends that have no idea we exist. Um, they who I uh, <laughs> have some <laughs> issues with from time to time. Yes, but uh, yes. Um, like like any relationship. Um, Indeed. Uh, but they they just dropped recently the the first part of a you know a, a, the first review on Twin Peaks: The Return and. Uh, they talk about this uh, a little bit in there, but like when Twin Peaks The Return came out, it didn't come, you know, straight to Netflix, straight to a streaming service. They did like weekly episodes for 18 weeks. And, uh, you know, I'm a Twin Peaks mark regardless, but I think part of what made The Return so special for me was that that week of this hanging on, like, what, what I wonder what's going to happen, you know? And I started having dreams about Twin Peaks again. And I remember going in week seven, go, uh, going into week eight, being like, all right, this is the week we're going to get Cooper back. And then getting so far and away the opposite of that. And yeah. just, like, it melting my brain. And just, like, uh, it... You know, and that was, you know, for that 18 weeks, that's what Nicole and I did for on Sunday nights. Uh, Right, and when you you lay that out, you're like, okay, almost like, you know what, like a third of a year that year was spent, like, thinking about Twin Peaks. And, like, you already liked Twin Peaks, but the process of so much of your mental real estate being thinking about this show as you're, like, waiting in anticipation of what's going to happen is part of what has, like, driven it back into your brain. Yes. And Um, also, like, you know, uh, we lived in a hellscape before 2020. Uh, Things have been bad for a long time. And uh, it was really nice to have something nice to think about. (laughs) To have something that occupied my thoughts more than just, like, all right, am I going to have enough to pay the bills? Am I going to, you know, like... It was nice to have, like, that mental, like, and that was another way that, like, uh, roots could become attached, you know, that I could just sit there, like, I could spend time with it, and it it made, like, you know, a rough time nice, you know, and, uh, and you don't get that from carpet bombing all of Stranger Things Season 3 in one day. Like, not saying that, like, there's nothing there for Stranger Things. I'm not saying that's a it's a bad experience, but like, it, you know, there's a there's a there's a difference there. There's a you just there's just not enough there. And I I I am a big fan of just like moments. 
I'm a big fan of experiencing things as they're happening. And like when you when you uh, binge watch something, like all that stuff kind of blurs together, you know, and you just kind of get this muddy middle, and uh, it it's it's to the detriment of cinema and to the detriment of you know experiences. I think I want to live through the entire thing. I want to experience the entire thing and not just get the highlights. It's like binge watching, even though you watch the entire thing, it's like sparks and spark notes. <laughs> right. And, um, and, uh, you know, for what I'm about to say, uh, obviously fuck JK Rowling. But yes. The process of reading the fucking Harry Potter books as they came out, um, and like sometimes having to wait two years to find out what was going to happen, like, didn't make me lose interest. It just made me like really want to know what the fuck is going to happen. Yes. Or like, I still read fucking comic books every week, like new comic books. And part of what makes comic books so fucking cool is that like, you know, right now the X-Men comics are the best they've been in at least 40 years. Oh wow. And, and the process of like watching this world slowly grow and and watching like how things are developing and waiting on the next plot turn for the last uh, year and a half has been so much of just like why I'll, I'll never forget reading this run instead of like waiting until it was all over and then trying to read like 400 comics in a row. <laughs> um, it's like it's it's this part of watching this grow and change Lord of the Rings where it's like mm, okay yeah. this movie comes out December 2001 uh, a nation heals and then you had to wait a whole year. For the next part, obviously you could go read the books, but like I was nine, I didn't go yes. read Tolkien uh, between the movies, and then you had to wait another whole year for the next one, and it just made the anticipation so fucking exciting. Yes, absolutely. Anticipation's a good thing. Like waiting is a good thing. It's uh, <laughs> it's nice to slow down. It's nice to just like wonder. Uh, and like I think. You know, uh, I, I say Twin Peaks because that's the one that really got me, and that's the one I've really got the you know the experience with. But there's a lot of different media for a lot of different folks. But like, I think that like part of why I appreciate storytelling so much, and why I enjoy it so much, and uh, why I attempt to do it so much now is like that thinking and wondering about what's going to happen next and where it's going to go and all this stuff. That like that that exercised the muscle, <laughs> you know, that exercised the brain and that, uh, you know, I, it, it you know, and that, that all that thinking and mulling over and ruminating and all that, that inspired other things, you know, and it's inspired yeah. other things in my own creative work, but also inspired things like, Hey, if you like this run of episodes, or if you like this character, you might like this. And then me seeking out something based on that, you know? Uh, and it's, uh, it's a it's the storytelling equivalent of like teach a man to fish. <laughs> yeah. Uh and it's uh it's nice. It's nice just like as I said having those memories but also like because of, you know, Twin Peaks and because of my like watching this media about like people trying to cope with a death like that compiled with real life experiences that I had uh, inspired me to like make make pet turtles, and so like those memories created new memories for me and fond memories, 
and uh, I don't, and I could be wrong, but like I just don't know like if that's that same thing could happen from watching you know all eight episodes of a thing in one in one day. I remember Fargo season one a lot better than I do Fargo season two, and the difference is I watched Fargo season one one a night for ten nights, and I watched Fargo season two in two nights. Yep, it's uh, it's a hundred percent true, and I remember you <laughs> you calling uh, very myself upset. and uh, very upset. <laughs> very uh, upset. what myself and, uh, and, and Gabe. Gabe. Yes, um, uh, I forget. Like you were maybe going into like the last episode. Yes, um, and we're just like so so mad at Lester Nygaard, played by Martin Freeman. You were just, like, so upset I had, at the lengths this man was willing to go to. I had always heard the expression, like, so mad that you could spit, but I never knew what it meant. Like, I just, you know, I just, it, it didn't, I knew, obviously, it means someone's mad, but, like, I finally got it between episodes 9 and 10 of Fargo season <laughs> 1. Like, I was so mad that I was just, like, salivating. I was just, like, like... <laughs> Almost this rabid. guy let his sweet wife die. Yes. Like I was furious. I was absolutely furious. And uh and that was, you know, like and I don't have an experience like that with Fargo season two. And Fargo season two is great. Um right. but you know, I just I I I didn't have that uh that ruminating and I didn't have that that time with the characters, uh, I became attached to them and they became attached to me, so to speak, and made it so that whenever things went down, like they did in episode nine, I wanted to fucking kill a guy. <laughs> I was furious. <laughs> it's, oh. it's, uh, it's good to, uh, it's, uh, slow cinema is nice. Uh, it's nice to, uh, to really sit and ruminate with a thing and sit with a thing for a long time. Uh, the, the mark, I think the mark of a, of a good movie, of a good TV show, good book, whatever, is that like, you're upset whenever it's over. (laughs) Like, uh, once upon a time in Hollywood is every bit of like three and a half hours long, but like, I'd watch a six hour cut of that. Are you kidding me? (laughs) 100%. 100%. (laughs) It's, uh, I, I, I don't, it's, uh. I, for the longest time, I used to call things like that, like slow and boring uh, cinema. But now it's this warm blanket cinema because there's nothing better than just sitting there and being cozy for a long time. And yeah. uh, and uh, I don't know, I uh, <laughs> that's warm blanket cinema. And binge watching an entire show in a day is uh, <laughs> throwing a Molotov cocktail. <laughs> like, it explodes. It's very hot, very fast, and then it. Slowly fizzles out. <laughs> Fades away. I want to simmer. I don't want to. I want to slow cook a movie. Absolutely. I don't want to. I don't want to fat air fry it. I want to. I want a crockpot cinema. Absolutely. And that's the way of it. Uh, this has been. <laughs> don't binge watch our show, or don't binge listen to our show. We know you're not going to. <laughs> but if you ever think about it, just don't. Just don't do it. Just don't like, do it. Also, why would you? So <laughs> annoying. <laughs>
This has been a Talkback Podcast. <laughs>